Hello and welcome to Startup. I'm your host, Alex Bloomberg, and we are in the middle of Startup Season 9, the final season of Startup, chronicling the events surrounding the sale of Gimlet to the audio streaming platform Spotify. Before we get started, there is some swearing in this episode. In the last episode, Matt Lieber, my co-founder, had just been to a mysterious meeting at Spotify. An acquaintance of our board member, Pat, had told Matt that at that meeting, somebody from Spotify would pull Matt aside and offer to buy Gimlet. But that offer never came. Matt never got the pull aside and was left awkwardly lingering in the conference room and then awkwardly lingering by the elevator, wondering, wait, what was that all about then? At this meeting that you had with Matt, um, did you notice him acting in any way weird or unusually? No. <laughs> After the meeting ended, did you see? Did he seem to be acting in any sort of strange way? No. <laughs> this is Sheila Spence, Spotify's VP of Corporate Development. She's the person in charge of acquisitions at Spotify. She was at that meeting. She was the person, in fact, that our board member Pat's acquaintance said was going to do the pull aside. And her understanding of this meeting, it was very different than the picture Matt had been painted. Matt was, at that point, part of the educating Sheila on the podcast business. He didn't know that that's what he was doing at the time. So that was in the early stage, the whole um, learning phase. The learning phase. Our board member, Pat, and his acquaintance were completely wrong about the reasons for that meeting. But I hadn't realized how wrong until I sat down with the folks from Spotify to find out what was going on behind the scenes on their end in the lead up to that meeting. And what was going on behind the scenes there? A lot. This meeting in March where Matt didn't get the poll side, in some ways Spotify had been building up to that meeting for a long time. And the person who set the events in motion that led to that meeting was this guy. So I'm Daniel Eck. I'm the CEO and founder of uh, the streaming company Spotify. So to understand how Daniel Eck found his way to podcasting in the first place, and ultimately to Gimlet, you first have to understand that for most of Spotify's existence as a company, no one there thought about podcasting at all. Podcasts weren't even on the radar. Spotify was a music streaming company only. It was launched in 2008, the brainchild of its two founders, Eck and his co-founder, Martin Lawrenson. They loved music, wanted to launch a service where fans could listen to the music they wanted, but artists could still get paid. And for the next many years, Spotify concentrated on doing just that. They cut deals with labels to make their music available on Spotify. They acquired more users, expanded into new markets from Sweden into England, then throughout the US and Europe. Spotify's growth was phenomenal. They hit a million users in the first year of operation. Three years later, they were at 20 million. Three years after that, they were at 100 million. And all that growth was around music. Spotify became the number one music streaming platform in the world. But amidst all that growth, Daniel says, he started to notice something strange. Usage on the platform was growing everywhere, but it was growing especially quickly in Germany. We started growing um, in Germany very nicely. Um, and I, I couldn't really figure out why all of a sudden we hit this inflection point. So Daniel got on a plane, flew to Germany, sat down with the team there, and discovered the answer. In Germany, um, the record companies in music are actually like very, very large in audiobooks. Okay. All of a sudden, uh, people, uh, we started getting lots of audiobooks on the service as well, um, mm -hmm. because people uploaded this as music files, and we became one of the biggest um, like book providers <laughs> in like all of Germany just by virtue of, of having these audiobooks uh -huh. um, on the platform. 
And and it was kind of like one of those interesting things because we were succeeding in spite of ourselves and all of the things that you would expect just didn't work. They and, didn't have chapters, they didn't yeah, have titles, didn't have chapters, you didn't have like book all art, that any stuff. of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and when you succeed in spite of yourself, you kind of know that like there's something uh, underneath the surface that you've got to try to uncover. The something beneath the surface here seemed to be that Spotify users not only enjoyed listening to words and music together, but in some cases, to words all by themselves, without any sort of musical accompaniment. It seemed crazy, but the data didn't lie. Now, there's a name, of course, for digital audio files with words, but no music, which escapes me right now. Musicless songs? No, that's not it. Spoken melody. Oh, right. Podcasts. So Daniel and his team decided we should start looking into this podcast thing, which initially meant making it possible for people to actually listen to podcasts on Spotify, which at that time wasn't really even possible. So they updated the app, made it possible for podcast producers to upload the podcasts they'd produced. Over the next year, they improved the app, made it at least on par with some of the other podcast players out there so that you could follow shows you liked or fast forward and rewind. And they convinced all the podcasters out there to start putting their podcasts on Spotify as well as all the other places they put them, Stitcher, Apple, et cetera. And we were one of those podcasters around this time they came to us, and we put our podcast on Spotify. And slowly, more and more people started listening to podcasts on Spotify. And people there started to notice something. Again, here's Sheila Spence, Spotify's VP of Corporate Development. What we saw as we were building our own podcasting business on Spotify mm-hmm. is that our users really love podcasts. Uh-huh. And we had higher engagement with podcast users. Uh-huh. So clearly there was a strong consumer demand for podcasts and a strong demand with Spotify users. Mm-hmm. So those data-driven learnings were confirmation that the world of audio is even bigger than music. Uh-huh. And music is a component of audio and a really important one, but that we had the platform to serve a much broader opportunity. We're not just a music company. We're an overall audio company. Yes. And if they were going to be an audio company, not just a music company, then they'd have to learn a lot more about this thing called podcasting, a subject they knew almost nothing about. What were podcasts? How did they make money? Did they make money? And who even made them anyway? Sheila and the rest of her team got to work, giving themselves a crash course in the podcasting ecosystem. They started looking at who was making the most popular podcasts on Spotify. They looked up all the public information they could find on podcasting companies, and they started meeting with people in the industry. Those meetings were happening in the spring of 2018. And one of the people in the industry that Sheila and her team met with was the president and co-founder of a young Brooklyn-based podcast startup called Gimlet, Matt Lieber. So that meeting that our board member had thought was about an acquisition, it was just one of dozens of meetings that Sheila and her team were having with podcasters. We hadn't been an acquisition target at all. We'd been more like unpaid consultants. Back at Gimlet, of course, we didn't know any of this, but it didn't matter. We were deep in our own issues. Hi. Guess what I'm doing? What are you doing? Recording for startup. <laughs> Maybe this will never see the light of day. This is me and my wife, Nazanin, in the spring of 2018. Nazanin, remember, works at Gimlet. She's on the leadership team, which means even when we're at home together in the middle of the night, we're never really away from work. What time is it? It's, <laughs> it's 2.44. In the morning? Yes. You can't sleep? Can't sleep. 
What are you doing? I'm looking at pictures of the British royal family. <laughs> Why can't you sleep? Oh, wait, who is that? Is that Queen Elizabeth? Which one? No, this is the Queen Mother. Oh. This is Queen Elizabeth's um, mom. Is that her with Mother Teresa? Who? Uh, this is Queen Elizabeth with Mother Teresa. With Mother Teresa. Yeah. Wait, what's the difference between Queen Elizabeth and the Queen Mom? Nazin and I were discussing the Queen Mom in the middle of the night because we were stressed about the issues we were facing at Gimlet. Our audiences were flat. We weren't able to sell ads on some of our biggest shows. And our shows were really expensive to make and weren't profitable. And Matt and I were fighting. Nazneen was in the middle of all this, in her new role as head of new show development. She was trying to thread the needle between those two things that Matt and I were fighting about, how to make more financially stable shows without compromising quality. Just that day, we'd had a big meeting about all of this. Um, We just had this long meeting today, and I don't actually know if it was helpful. And, like, I'm really... I'm really worried about, like, like executing on the ideas that we came up with in the meeting. And I just, my, my, I have shooting pains going between my head and my shoulder, mm. and my right shoulder. And I, I think it's stress-related. And I just, like, yeah, I'm just tired of thinking about Gimlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that meeting was really, the meeting was supposed to be about a content strategy. Mm-hmm. But it was also about like, the reason we need a content strategy is because like, some like, half the business is working and half the business isn't. And like, it's hard to know, like, have we been just like, just like making mostly mistakes the last two years, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it feels like, it feels like I wanna, I want to have it figured out, but we're never going to figure it out. Like, I feel like this is, it feels like we're never going to figure it out. What made nights like this worse was that Matt and I, we still weren't getting along. After that big fight we'd had over the habitat, things had returned to an equilibrium of cordial tension. The fight hadn't really resolved anything. And even though we were in the middle of making changes to try to turn things around, we still weren't on the same page. Every time we tried to talk about stuff, things got testy. And so we sort of stopped trying, kept our resentments to ourselves, where they festered, drove us even further apart. Just how far apart? That became clear one day in late June. Matt was in Europe at Cannes, the world's biggest advertising trade show, with our sales team and our head of marketing trying to drum up advertiser business. And there was this big deal that he'd been working on that was about to close. I'd sent this long email to him and the team with a bunch of detailed questions about the deal terms. I hadn't been that involved in the deal up to this point, and so it felt to Matt and the rest of the team that I was parachuting in at the last minute with a bunch of questions that seemed to be second-guessing their year of hard work. Matt and I got on the phone to talk it through, 
Startup producer Molly Messick interviewed us both about that time. I was sitting in an Airbnb that three of us had like scrunched ourselves into so that we spent as little money as possible. And I had Alex on speaker and he was like, I don't know if we should do this deal. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why? What? And I remember he was like, I've been working on this deal for like a whole fucking year. And, you know, you send this email now, something like that. And I was like, whoa, that's really mad. And then I got mad and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm the CEO of this fucking company. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm allowed to ask questions about a huge deal. And he's like, you are the CEO. You can do whatever you want. I remember him saying, I'm the CEO and it's completely fair for me to ask these questions. And I was like, you're right. It is totally fair to ask these questions, but now is not the time. And the effect that you're having is like undermining me. And also like other people on my on the team had worked on the deal quite a lot. We ended up having a huge shouting match across, you know, six hours of time zone on my speakerphone in an Airbnb. And at that point, I think I did say, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. In that moment when you said, I don't know if I can do this anymore, mm -hmm. did it feel like a genuine thing that you were feeling or did it feel like something you were saying to get his attention? 1,000% genuine. Hearing Matt say he couldn't do this anymore, it freaked me out. Was he really going to leave after all we'd built together? How would I ever do this on my own? Also, hearing that made me mad. Like, are you really going to abandon me just when things are getting hard? What if I want to leave? The truth was, of course, there was no place for either one of us to go. Leaving for either of us would mean destroying the thing we'd been building for the last four years, walking away with nothing to show for it. We had no choice but to stay, try to fix our problems together. And unbeknownst to us, there was a clock ticking on us figuring it out. Because what we didn't know at the time was that across the ocean in Sweden, Spotify was about to go shopping. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to Startup. So in the summer of 2018, when Matt and I were wondering if we could even keep working together, Sheila, the head of corporate development at Spotify, was meeting with Daniel Ek and the other leaders of the company, discussing what they'd learned from the months of meetings they'd been having with people in the podcasting industry. What they learned was that podcasting was clearly growing and that owning a podcasting company, it would give Spotify a window into this world that it now seemed obvious would be more and more important to Spotify's business over time. And so Daniel Ek called a meeting somewhere around October of 2018 and said, it's time. The research phase is over. We need to acquire a podcasting company. I told the team... Uh, I want this done before Christmas. That, w that was the, <laughs> the thing. And normally, I should say, like, if you're trying to make acquisitions, it's like uh -huh. you don't, like, set a very short timeline. Uh -huh. uh, so naturally, uh, I got a little bit of pushback on the timeline, but I, I, was, I, I stood pretty firm and said, look, uh, I know it's going to be a lot of work, but uh -huh. let's just see if there's something here and, like, go deep and fast. Basically, it sounds like what you're saying is, like, go figure out which company we might want to acquire mm -hmm. and why, and I want to have it done by Christmas. Yes. So um, in, in, two, in two months. Yes. So Spotify had essentially started the clock on the hunt for a podcasting company to acquire in October of 2018. 
right around the time that Daniel Eck was making that decision at Spotify, things had started to change at Gimlet. July and August of 2018 was, at the time I was doing um, our ad operations, which is essentially like making sure our ads get onto the shows that they need to get onto. This is Christina Sullivan. She manages the finances for Gimlet, which is a big job. But because we're a startup, she had other duties as well that included more administrative tasks. Part of my job was also keeping track of all of the um, the contracts that came in with all of the ad orders. And so I remember there just being like a massive dry spell in July and August where like there was just not much coming in. And I was so thankful, honestly, because I was so underwater with work that it was so I was like, thank God the sales team isn't selling anything because I don't have any time to like traffic all this stuff. But obviously from putting my finance brain on, it was also like this doesn't look good. We're really far behind. So again, this is late summer. In early fall, Christina went on a vacation. And when she returned, she found something surprising. When I came back, we just had an onslaught of like sold emails sitting in my inbox, um, which is when a member of the sales team sells ads, they send a sold email. And just being like, oh, wow, like something's happening here. And October came, there were still a ton of ads being sold. And our volume kept going up people downloading our episodes, um, that kept growing. Uh, It was growing faster than we had expected. In fact, we didn't know it yet, but that quarter, Q4 of 2018, would go on to become our single biggest quarter ever. More people would download our shows than ever before. The revenue we brought in would double our previous record. The new weekly shows we were working on, like the partnership with New York Magazine's The Cut, hosted by Molly Fisher, they would go on to be successful right out of the gate. And in that quarter we would reach a hugely significant milestone. For the first time in our company's history, we were profitable. In other words, all those changes that we'd made that we didn't know if they were going to work or not, they were working. I think if Spotify had came to us in July, uh, they would have been like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) This is Jim Grau, our head of finance, Christina's boss. In the second half of the year, we finally, number one, started selling out all our inventory at like full rates to the point where we were adding additional ad spots to shows just to catch all of the ad dollars. And audience had finally started to regrow after a year and a half for a lot of shows of stagnation or decline. All of the sales and consumer marketing and editorial, like all of a sudden it felt like it was all working together. And that was apparent in the numbers. Around this time, I began to notice a new feeling in myself. A shift from, I don't know the way through, to, I think I know the way through. It's not a gimme that we can pull it off, of course. The anxiety was still there, but it was more focused, which made it a lot better. And then one day, Matt got this phone call. In November, I got a call out of the blue from the VP of Corporate Development, Sheila Spence. And she said... Or she emailed me and she's like, hey, she emailed me like Friday at 5 p.m. or something. And it was like, mm-hmm. hey, can we talk? And I was like, okay, now this is the email. Because like, wh- who who emails at 5 p.m. on Friday with a can right. we talk unless it's like <laughs> something important. So it's eight months yeah. later. Eight months later. She, she, she emails you. Yeah. The same woman who did not pull you aside in March. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Emails you on a Friday and yeah. says, can we talk? Right. So what'd you say? Um... And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. I'm, I, I'm free now. Right. And she, and then so I, she called me and she said, nice to, nice to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, we've been working together on a bunch of different fronts, and we'd like to talk about bringing the partnership to the next level. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were like, what do you mean, Sheila? <sighs> yeah, I'm like, what? Like, she's like, are you open to that conversation? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, and then I think she mentioned acquisition. So that was the first time that that word possibly got uttered. Yeah. Matt called to tell me about this phone call, and my main memory was disbelief. We had been so internally focused, so trying to fix all the problems that we were facing, that I'd sort of forgotten that there had ever been a conversation about getting acquired by anybody. But Matt convinced me that he thought it was pretty serious. And so we said, sure, we'll take it to the next level. And what that meant was them getting to know our business more, but also getting to know me and Matt more. Specifically, Daniel Eck, the boss of Spotify, wanted to meet us. And because, unbeknownst to us, he'd set this incredibly aggressive timeline for Sheila and her team, we needed to meet him and get to know him and get comfortable with him enough so that Spotify could make an offer all by Christmas. And at this point, it was late November. Sheila Spence, VP of Corporate Development at Spotify, got Matt on the phone. We really needed to get on top of the timing because there was Thanksgiving and then there was a whole lot of other travel and Spotify events. And it was important that Daniel have the time to meet with you guys one-on-one and really, really know that you were bought into his vision of where we wanted to go in audio. So the first thing I said was, oh, okay, like, when is he in New York? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's going to be in L- he's in Stockholm right now, but he's going to be in LA in two weeks. And so I said, okay, well, why don't, maybe we can, maybe you can stop over in New York or we could go to see him in LA or uh-huh. whatever. And she's like, well, what about next week? Like, he's free next week. And I said, well, I'm, I, I can't do next, next week. week. Thanksgiving. Like, next week's Thanksgiving. I'm cooking, I'm, I'm cooking dinner for 20 people because I hosted 20 people in my house. You were going to some journalism conference. And so I was like, yeah, we just, like, it's going to be tough for us to make the timing work. And she said, well, it's just I know Daniel's free in Stockholm on Monday. So um, it kind of had to be the week of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. I'm like, uh, okay, I'll talk to Alex. And right. I'm like, but I'm planning this dinner. Matt was telling me all about his family sport traditions and his gravy and stuffing that he <laughs> makes. And I was, I was listening and I, I wanted to be sympathetic to this, but in my head I had this thought bubble of like, man, you're the president of a venture-backed startup and your acknowledged ideal buyer CEO wants to meet with you. Uh-huh. And and can't can't that be a little more important than the gravy? <laughs> but I went with it because I I really en- enjoyed my conversation with Matt and we have a good rapport. So I went with it. In the meantime, I was like furiously searching myself online to figure out, is there a plane that can get back from Stockholm before the craziness of Thanksgiving travel in the U.S.? Wow. Like, is there a constellation of flights and airlines that will actually enable this meeting to happen? Because uh-huh. um, you were worried if it waited after the week of Thanksgiving, like it just would never happen. Like that was like, Daniel wasn't going to have time and then like there was going to be travel and then it was just going to put everything back in the back burner. Yeah. Did that make you wonder? Did that make you be like, wait, are these guys who we want? Like if he's like going to be all fussy about Thanksgiving and not like sort of leap at this opportunity, are these the guys we want? Did it give you any 
sort of like worries? I wasn't sure whether he was being serious with me or bluffing a little bit to make sure he, you know, made it clear that, you know, he was could play a little hard to get. I wasn't quite sure. And she's like, look, I need you to come to Stockholm on Monday. <laughs> and so we're like, okay. So Matt and I rearranged our Thanksgiving plans and bought tickets to Stockholm. And this trip was arriving at a time when things were still tense between us. We weren't fully aware of how much the business was turning around. And a lot of our conflicts, they felt unresolved. It still felt like we didn't agree about the ultimate direction of the company. What kinds of shows do we want to make? What kind of business do we want to be? And that was our state as we boarded the red eye to Stockholm for a speed dating round with Spotify's founder, Daniel Ek. Daniel is a super low-key, soft-spoken man. He has a shaved head, black t-shirt and jeans, sneakers that seemed like they were probably designer, but maybe were just Puma or something. We had a couple of hours on his calendar, and when we first got there, he showed us around Spotify. Even though Spotify was a good 20 or 30 times bigger than Gimlet, I recognized the pride that Daniel took in showing us around. The way he talked about the decisions that went into designing the cafeteria this way, pointed out the desks of people who'd been with the company since the beginning. It was the same pride that I felt and tried unsuccessfully to conceal whenever I gave people tours of Gimlet. A shy boastfulness mixed with a, can you actually believe that we made this happen? After the tour, we sat in his office and talked and talked and talked. Talked about how we started our companies, what we had hoped for. He asked us questions about the business and our backgrounds. And as we answered his questions, what started to stand out to me is that in stark contrast to the year that Matt and I had been having, we were pretty aligned in what we were saying to Daniel. In fact, we were sounding like each other. Matt spoke a lot about our commitment to a certain kind of show, a certain level of production and storytelling and quality. I talked a lot about how the shows we were making fit in with an overall business strategy that were helping to define a new medium, podcasting. In other words, we were getting along with each other we were getting along with Daniel. It seemed like the meeting was going well. And then he asked us this one question. We'd been in his office for two hours, and we'd had a good but very conceptual discussion, extremely conceptual. He's very smart, like really interesting person. Uh-huh. And it was a good exchange of ideas. And then just as the clock was ticking down, he's like, I just have one more question for you. Uh-huh. And we're like, yeah, what? And he's like, what would you do if I gave you a billion dollars? <laughs> and like, we're coming up this year when we're going to be like, we're scraping, like, we're like, oh shit, we got to like, you know, like these, we have to like, we can't have this many people on a team. We have to reduce a team size by one body to like make the show, you know, like profitable right. and like we are we're scraping for money and we got to raise money and like it's right. sort of like to imagine like a world where you have a billion dollars to spend was just like right. so impossible at that point right. right that's i mean that's double the amount of money that gets spent on podcasting per right. year across the entire ecosystem right. right so of all the questions we'd prepared for we did not prepare for that there's no neat and easy answer. And and so we didn't have an answer. And we just kind of were like, uh, well, and you were kind of like, I mean, there's like 10 really great editors I'd want to hire. We'd maybe like build some more studios. But like, know, was like, we were just listing you know, things off the top of our head that if you added them up would have been like $2 million. I know. I'd hire Chad Abrod. <laughs> you had a good answer, actually. You're like, well, I'd get into news. Like, we'd build the New York Times of audio. Like, that mm-hmm. would be good. And I was like, oh, that's pretty bold. That yeah. sounds interesting. And 
And then I and then I was like, yeah, to be honest, I think it'd be really hard to, you know, we spend $25 million today to go from 25 to a billion. I think it's really hard to do that without, like, I think it's hard to do that wisely. I think it's mm-hmm. hard to do that without just, like, right. screwing up a lot. And yeah. he's like, and he was like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to do that in one year. But, <laughs> and then he did this, like, amazing Godfather-like thing, which was to say, basically, I want you to start thinking at that scale because that's the scale that we play at. Mm, right. And we were like, <laughs> I think blown away <laughs> back in our chairs. And like, whoa. Right. And then on the way, on the flight home, I was like, oh, was that the wrong answer? Right. Yeah. There's something about that billion dollar question though, that for me at least, was also reassuring. At least when it came to me and Matt and how it felt in that meeting. Because even if we were failing to come up with an answer to what seemed like a really important question, it was nice to finally be on the same page again. For a long time, we had no idea how we did at that meeting. What did Daniel think of us? And our answer to that question. But I recently had the chance to ask him, what was he looking for in that meeting anyway? Obviously, I'd been uh, looking at interviews that you guys had made and uh-huh. um, even videos and stuff like that. And so I had a decent sense, but I didn't really know what you wanted to do with the company. Was it a te- I mean, was there, was it a te- like, it's sort of from, from my perspective and I think from Matt's perspective, mm. it was hard to not see it in some, not that it was entirely this, but like some parts of this felt like a test that we could either oh, pass course. or fail. Yeah, of course. Um, For you, it was that Yeah, as well. yeah, of course. Um, like we could have failed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, for, for me, it was about gaining conviction that you were the thought leaders I thought you were. Um, there was a point where Matt and I were like, wait, did we just fail this test? <laughs> you asked a specific question. Uh, do, you, do you have any idea what question I'm going to say? No, actually, none at all. At one point you asked us, um, we were talking about like the future and like, right. what was what was coming and like, right. the ecosystem. And and we were sort of giving some answer and, and I think you sort of waved it off and you were like, yeah, yeah, but what, like, what, let's say you had a billion dollars. Yeah. What would you do? Yeah. And <laughs> it was like, for Matt and I, you know, having been running this company right. for so right. long and just being like, is this, can we add another person to this team? Right. Right. Like, can yeah, we add one more head right. here? Of or like, of it was just such a, it was, we felt like completely unequipped to answer that question. Yeah. yeah. And so we just sort of flumbered around. And I remember, I think I said, I don't know, I'd try to hire Jad Abmrod or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Matt was like, or we try to do something with Michelle Obama. Yeah. 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 Um, but I remember us like, I remember trying to all of a sudden switch gears entirely yeah. and think huge yeah, yeah. and sort of failing. Yeah. Do you remember this at all? Yeah, I, I remember the conversation. Uh, that wasn't part of like, there's a, I, I will say just like uh, sort of a sheet sheet now on how we do this. I, I tend to ask that question. It's very rare that someone has like a really good answer. And and if they do, I actually get more worried than if, if, if because then you're kind of like in a situation where you need to ask them like, well, why haven't you? Yes. Because if they had a great plan to do it already, yeah. uh, they probably should have um, uh-huh. done it. Um, um, so it, it, it's, the, the goal isn't actually whether you have a good plan or not. The goal is actually to f- find out why you can't like uh, take a billion dollars into it. Right. And, and I think at some point Matt said, yeah. honestly, I don't know if we could, like, I don't yeah, know if we could spend a exactly. billion dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Th- then we got into the true ethos of your company, which is like, well, we, we just don't know how to do that with quality. 
And uh, and it was like, ah, okay, well, that's good to know because like you were focused on the quality angle, not because you're forced to, but because it's what you want to do. So, you know, it's it's helpful. Uh, and there are, I'm sure, other companies that just would have said, look, I just want, um, I could, if I just had the resources, I could get a thousand people tomorrow and they'll churn mm-hmm. out X amount of things. But you were never that interested in that. So I had an enormous amount of respect uh, mm-hmm. for what what was that you'd accomplished. Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting because we thought about you as the kind of HBO in the space. Uh-huh. I, I'm having so many thoughts hearing you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, I don't know if this is still the case for you or if it was ever the case for you, but like... At that point, it had been, you know, a little over four years since we'd launched the company. Right. And, um, and yes, I can see, like, from the outside, like, we were very successful. Right. But, like, when you're running it, all you do is focus on the things that aren't working. Right. And so I, it had been, like, three years of, like, looking at, oh, this isn't working, and yeah. this show is, like, yeah. this, we're, you know, this show's not hitting in this way, and, right. like, we have, like, totally failed to set up adequate communication uh-huh. systems for, yep. like, our growing company, and, like, yep. our management structure is a mess, and just sort of, like, all these things that I had been focusing on. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had no idea how we looked from your vantage point. Oh, no, no, you, you were definitely like the leaders in the space. Um, but I, um, it's, it's actually my co-founder saying, but, but here, here's, um, um, he, he said this thing and I'm not even sure he was aware that, that he coined like what I think is an iconic quote. And he said, <laughs> the value of a company is the sum of all problems solved. Um, and and even to this day, it's like one of those things that I think about. So you may think about all of the things that you guys went through as all the issues that you went through, but you solved them one by one. And I think the most important thing that you got right is is the integrity of the programming and the shows that you make. At the end of the day, that is the value that you're bringing to that and bringing to consumers. And it really served you well in the end. In other words, Matt's and my constant fighting had produced something valuable. The fighting itself, in fact, was the thing that made it better. If I hadn't cared about what I cared about, and he hadn't cared about what he cared about, and we hadn't each cared enough to fight with each other, the company we built, it wouldn't have worked as well. We arrived back in New York from Stockholm, made it to our families for Thanksgiving. It was less than a month before the Christmas deadline that Daniel had set to acquire a company. Spotify had met us now, and the question for them was, would they want to make an offer? But there was a question for us as well. If they did make an offer, were we ready to hand the reins of the company we'd built to someone else? It was a complicated, complicated question. That's coming up in the next and final episode ever of Startup. Startup. 
Startup is hosted by me and produced by Molly Messick and Chris Neary. It is edited by me and Devin Taylor. Music and mixing by Emma Munger. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song, Build Buildings, wrote and performed our special ad music. For full music credits, see our website. If listening to these episodes makes you want to go back and listen to all the stories we've ever done about Gimlet over the years, we've collected them all in a special Spotify playlist. Go to gimlet.media slash startup. And you can, of course, get every episode of the show for free through Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next week.